0: Hi everyone, I'm Monica, and welcome back to another MCAT Master Interview. In this series, we basically just talk with MCAT top scorers so that we can find out what strategies help them the most in their process, and hopefully inspire you as you're studying too. Even top scorers have struggled with the MCAT, but they managed to increase their scores to competitive levels, so we're going to talk with them, figure out what they did, and hopefully give you some inspiration to do the same. And with that, I'd like to introduce you all to Kent Kellenberger. Kent, welcome to the series, and thanks so much for joining us. My
1: pleasure, Monica excited
0: to be on. Awesome. Well, we're so excited to get started. Before we do, I just want to give our listeners a little bit of your background. So Kent is a 41-year-old non-traditional student who originally struggled a lot with the sciences while he was in school. However, although the MCAT can be an extremely science-heavy exam, Kent didn't let that deter him. While balancing a full-time job as an accountant and spending time with his wife and daughter, Kent added MCAT prep to his already busy schedule. Studying for the MCAT is a struggle for any student, but can be especially challenging for non-traditional students like Kent who have not taken MCAT-related courses in a long time and have responsibilities and commitments to attend to in addition to studying. However, despite all the challenges his situation posed, Kent devoted himself to studying, used his resources strategically and efficiently, and ultimately was able to score a 520 by his test date, which is a 98th percentile score, which is awesome. And this is just a great testament to the fact that regardless of your circumstances or how you did in undergrad, you can always succeed on this exam with hard work and perseverance, which Kent is going to tell us a little bit more about in this interview. So in addition to all of that in the interview, we're also going to dive into understanding, you know, exactly how he studied, what he did to increase his score, how he scheduled his prep, what strategies he used for each section, and so much more. So with that, let's go ahead and get started. So Kent, why don't you just start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Well, I am actually a private pilot as a personal side. I love to to fly. And as you mentioned, I'm an accountant. I'm married. I've got a five-year-old daughter who will be six in a couple of weeks of a very busy social life. We have quite a few friends in this area. So we like to have people over. So I'm pretty active and busy and engaged. And also, I am doing some shadowing and about three hours a week of volunteering. So super busy. And I like it that way. I like to have a lot going on.
0: Yeah, definitely. Keeping yourself busy and also just like having a lot of different interests. That's awesome. So going back a little bit to, I guess, the beginning of your journey, what inspired you to want to become a doctor? Was it something that that you had in mind while you were in undergrad or later on?
1: Yeah. So Monica, my father actually is a doctor. And so growing up, seeing him treat patients in our small little town of about a thousand people motivated me and first kind of stimulated my interests. And then as time went on, I developed even a deeper desire to go into medicine because like my father developed a heart condition that was pretty unique. It He ended up Having like right-sided heart failure. So he ended up going to Mayo Clinic. And then a team of specialists figured out that he had this congenital issue. And so a hole in his heart. So they end up repairing that and just seeing the effect that I had my father, it deepened my desire to go into medicine. And then I had some self-confidence issues. And I had some early academic struggles, as you alluded to earlier. I I think my first science class was general chemistry. I think I scored a 40% on <laughs> exam. So I had a less than auspicious beginning with my science classes. And so I just felt intimidated. And like, you know, only like smart people can get through science classes. And I just didn't think I could do it. So I kind of checked out and wanted I I, I wanted a different route. I like I was interested in business as well. And so I kind of I had m- those two passions. And honestly, my lack of self confidence caused me to take the the second passion, which is business. And so I ended up earning an accounting degree, finance degree, MBA, and worked. I've been working in corporate America for about 12 years. And, but then when I started shadowing again, I had the opportunity to shadow an emergency room doctor. And one night a patient coded and it was very dramatic. Like for 40 minutes, they were using, they were shocking him and you know defibrillating him. And at the end of it, they lifelighted him out. And the next time I came back to shadow, I found out, he lived and it was like a truly yeah truly inspiring it furthered in my mind kind of the difference like between like crunching numbers and being an accountant versus having an opportunity to work on teams with teams of people doing something as profound as saving someone's life
0: yeah it sounds like you have a lot of like firsthand experiences that kind of led you to I guess want to pursue this path now which is so powerful and extremely motivating and important so yeah that's amazing so you kind of alluded to this yourself just now but beginning this process so you decided you wanted to be a doctor or go on this path and the mcat can be really intimidating so where were you in your life when you started prepping and and how did you feel about it
1: yeah so when i started prepping i felt very intimidated i always (laughs) i wasn't very good at standardized tests growing up and i've never i've struggled with uh focus on longer exams and of course the mcat is like the mother of all long exams It's like a monster marathon. So I was Mm -hmm. scared, intimidated. I felt out of my depth and just had a lot of self-doubt about whether or not I could defeat it, you know, that I could handle it. Even when I was in high school I thought about being a doctor. I knew that someday I'd have to take the MCAT. And I just was sure I would never be able to do that. And so when I started prepping this last summer actually, I started prepping in about actually it was more like the spring, Monica. I started prepping like in March. And I was cause I was thinking, well, I that would give me an opportunity to hopefully be ready by the summer. So my prep work though, what it looked like is I tried to spend like three hours a day, which is I don't know if that's a lot or little for most people, but what I did was I would use a timer and I would look for three focused hours a day and I would kind of do it like in 40 minute blocks. Like I'd go hard for 40 minutes and i take a 10 minute break. And then the big key was hyper-focus, like crazy focus. Like where, I mean, being in the zone where if there could be bombs going off, I wouldn't be aware of it. So I, I think that some students never really learn how to like super hyper-focused. And when you do it in short bursts, it gives you the ability to get, be so much more efficient, right? And mm-hmm. how I prepped was I did a, a content, well, do you want me to talk about that in depth now or wait until later uh, to answer more questions about my schedule?
0: No, you can go right ahead. Oh, okay. You're on a roll. Go for it.
1: Yeah, thanks. Well, okay, so what I did was First off, I bought the Kaplan books and I skimmed through them. And that was part of my, you know, my three hours a day because I knew I knew I wanted to cover content in about three weeks. So I did it in three weeks. And I would, if there if there are concepts I knew pretty well, I would just keep going on it. But if there's anything I wasn't sure about or I was rusty with, I would use Khan Academy to supplement my content review. Khan Academy is really good. I'd watch it always on double speed. Attention span are the time to watch it mm-hmm. single speed and double speed just allowed it to sink in better and keep my focus. And I also used AK lectures, which I think is fantastic. Some people like it, some people don't. I love that guy, he's my hero. So AK, Andre or whatever his name is, he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. So he became like my best friend. So when I would run, I, cause you have to have exercise, you have to have a balanced approach. I kept a very balanced approach during this cause I had to, cause I was wow. working, you know, I was working maybe 10 hours a day. So then to find those three hours was kind of interesting, not easy. Mm-hmm. And and what would happen is if I was short, maybe an hour on it day it may only say two hours I pick it up on Saturday because I only studied five days a week because I really believe you need to recharge so that everything can sink in like I don't think that you want to go seven days a week maybe some people can but for me kind of spacing it and taking the weekend off kind of recharge my batteries and allowed me to be much more effective so as I finished my content review after I finished my content review I started using hardcore practice and the key is to interrelate concepts and so when i would come across something i didn't know i would go find an example of it online i and so like most of my prep work was self-directed not really you know i had the kaplan book but really i felt it was more of a skeleton so i would try to find a good picture that was probably my biggest secret that i haven't heard a lot of people talk about which is finding the perfect image Because our brains in our brains work with pictures and the dual encoding theory which Students learn when they're studying for psych. So, says that words and pictures together is a deadly combination. So, I would find I would labor to find the perfect image of a concept, like in biology or even in psych. So, there'd be some like cartoon application of something. Or another thing I, I would do is I would find like a journal article about something that I was struggling with. So rather than just looking in the textbook, I would, I would try to find a scientific article about that. That even went a little mm-hmm. bit further in depth. And by doing that, it would pique my curiosity and keep me fully engaged because I'm actually learning something new that most students wouldn't even learn because it was a journal article. And journal articles, by definition, right, have to have some kind of new slant, new angle to them. And it also gave me experience doing that and like reading peer-reviewed journal articles, which is very, very, very helpful.
0: Yeah, that's great advice, especially like building endurance when reading too, because the card section you're going to have to read or all the sections you have to read these super long passages so yeah definitely with those journal articles and i love the whole thing about balance too because you need to have these off days and these breaks in addition to studying and it gives you that perspective that you know the test isn't the end of the world at the same time too so all that is amazing advice yeah and i think
1: really being busy monica and being balanced made it to where i really look forward to that three hours of studying since i was working all the time which i did i'm not as into like crunching numbers for my accounting I really look forward to that three hours of studying. So I came in like hungry versus I think if you're cramming and slamming and putting eight hours a day in, then you're dreading coming to studying. I would come to studying with a very, with a lot of desire and excitement.
0: Yeah. And then your setting is even like higher quality too. It's not like the spread out, like half quality studying. It's like three hours of like really, really good studying. So yeah, definitely. So at the start of your prep, did you have like a certain score goal in mind that you were trying to read?
1: Yeah. So I did. I really wanted, a 521 ironically
0: you were so close
1: I know and I know the question I missed too no. it me. yeah as soon as I walked out of the testing center I almost wanted to cry I'm like no I can't believe I did that so
0: yeah what made you want that 521
1: well because that's a 99th percentile
0: And 520 is only 98, so you were like, you wanted that extra one percentile. Yep. That's ambition right there. But you got to aim high. So did you find, like, during your prep, I guess, did you take practice exams during your prep?
1: Yes. What's so important, and everyone says this, and it's true, is Mm -hmm. the the AMC material. Because it's made by the test makers, and I mastered the AMC material. And that's one of the, obviously, the biggest things you ever can do to get high MCAT score.
0: Yeah. So when you were taking like those practice exams and the AMC ones, did you find that, you know, you were increasing steadily or were there any times that you were kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to get this 521 area that I'm looking for?
1: Yeah. So the course- scores fluctuated a bit yeah they fluctuated up to six points so it kind of spoke to me of an element of dare I say it luck to the exam because if you're tested on something you're really strong at, like your test can vary a lot like like I said up to six points I actually scored a 522 on my fourth exam and a 516 on my first practice exam so I scored like a 516 a 517 a 518 and a 522 and then on the actual exam I ended up at 520 so
0: Yeah, so there's this kind of like, what's going to be on there? And what do I know kind of overlap, which makes sense. Did you take any other practice exams? Or was it mostly AMC?
1: Yeah, so the one other thing I did was like, there's a free exam that I recommend everyone take on Next Step. That's like, I think it's a half length diagnostic, which is free. I took that as well.
0: Okay, very cool. Yeah, as many, you know, as much practice as possible is always a good thing. So when you were taking those exams and you started studying, like, this past spring, did you run into any issues with, like, dealing with the shortened exam and how that relates to the practice exams and stuff?
1: Yeah, I thought it was much easier. It was great. It felt like cheating.
0: Oh, really? So when you got to the exam, you thought the shortened exam was better?
1: Oh, yeah, right, because you're not exhausted as much. I mean, I thought it was beautiful, Mm -hmm. you know, to go from, yeah. what 59 to 49 or yeah, I think it's, was it 49 47? I should totally know that, but I forget. Yeah, those fewer problems kept me fr- more fresh and zoned in because I'm like, okay, everyone counts. All the dummy questions as in, you know what I mean? Like the questions that might not be used are excised or cut out. So it made me just that much more focused. And oh, there's one other important thing I should add uh, for my content mm. prep. I would skim over the Kaplan books, but then I would reinforce content through your world is phenomenal. That was my secret sauce for the content. I, I forgot to mention that earlier.
0: No, yeah, I, you're fine. So I probably
1: covered 75% of all the problems and there are a heck of a lot of wow. problems with UWorld. UWorld's explanations are amazing. Their images are great. I can't say enough good things about UWorld.
0: Yeah, so those that was like the practice resource that you kind of use a lot. Uh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, that was there was UWorld and then AMC.
0: Okay. Yeah, we hear about UWorld a lot in addition to AMC obviously, but yeah, UWorld's an amazing resource, so I'm glad that you brought it up. Was is there a certain way i guess specific questions that you staggered that practice so did you start with uworld and then move on to amc or something like that
1: well great question i had this idea of not contaminating my amc like that was the golden mm-hmm. material so i actually went did not touch amc material monica until i had completed the 75% of the, of the UWorld. I didn't want to spoil that. So I wanted to first have my content down. So I never, yeah. I never went back and forth.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense too. Cause as you're getting closer to the exam, like you might want to use something that is by the actual company that's making the exam. So that makes a lot of sense. So you did mention so far, you've mentioned UWorld, Kaplan, Khan Academy, and AMC. Were there any other resources or materials that you use that you found? Before? Yeah. The
1: AK lectures. I don't think you mentioned that.
0: Oh yes. The AK lectures as well. Yeah. Anything other than all of those?
1: Um, that's pretty much it. It's, uh, if you think, I guess it's quite a bit. That's quite, a, those are quite a few resources. And then all the articles I found, just a whole plethora of things online going to Google Images. And just so I kind of self-created my other material and then I put that into yeah. Anki cards. So any concepts that I wasn't 100% clear on, I would make really good conceptual Anki cards on. So that's another resource, I guess.
0: Yeah, definitely Anki as well. Yeah. And that's awesome that you were implementing that image, like finding those images images as well. That's got to be super helpful. So moving on to a little bit more generally speaking about your prep, what do you think were your biggest challenges and struggles and how did you overcome them?
1: Mm -hmm. Okay. So I would say my biggest challenges were with timing at first. So with timing and strategy, I would get caught up in trying to read and understand every diagram, every image, like what's going on in the passage. And I was running out of time on my problems that I, because I would do the U World problems like kind of on a timer through the passage, you know, like with the passage, I would use the same amount of time as I'd have for the AMC. And so I was like way behind. And then what happened is I figured out that I don't have to read everything and I shouldn't be reading everything. (laughs) Instead, I would read the question and let the first question, not all the. Questions in the passage, but the first one, and then I would go find that answer, and then that directed my reading, and so I, I didn't end up wasting time that way, and I learned how to like spend eight minutes in passage, and so like if I was behind, I would force myself to speed up, and then take my best guess if I wasn't there. I would never um, take longer than eight minutes per science passage, and like one minute per question. So also strategy, a big big strategy help was for the the MCAT Mastery. So I found them your site on like Facebook somehow. Probably, you know, their algorithms brought it up and I loved it. Oh my goodness, it motivated me, inspired me. It it made the MCAT seem so much more doable. And the strategies were so encouraging. Like one of the best strategies ever for cars that raised my score was when they talked about reading the first few sentences in a paragraph really carefully. And that was huge for me. Like when I slowed down and started using that one technique, my car score, I ended up scoring, I think at 130, which I, I think was like the 98th percentile. So mm-hmm. that really, really helped.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it's like the smallest little like tiny strategies that you don't think about that can like cause those huge increases. So yeah. that's definitely great that you were able to find those resources and use those strategies to like boost your score so on that kind of note you did increase your score to this 520 area from you know you're a non-traditional student so you didn't have this like huge background to start off with so what advice would you have for other non-traditional students who might you know be intimidated by the exam and don't know where to start
1: yeah so first off i think it starts with as you guys point out so often mindset you have to believe Mm -hmm. you can do it and you have to find a way to get excited about it. So I actually had a lot of fun saying for the MCAT, however strange that sounds. So I convinced myself that every topic I was studying was really interesting and fun. Even if it was some, like, car's passage on some esoteric thing, like totally wildly esoteric dry material, I would fool myself into getting really engaged. And I think another key with being a non-traditional student, you can leverage some of the skills you've learned in the, you know, in your job or whatever to, to be more effective at what you do. And other words, in my case, I leveraged a lot of different resources, like I, as I mentioned. So it's like I think I was a little better at my strategy. So if you can work on your strategy, see a lot of the MCAT, it's not content. Here's what you have to remember: it's not as content-heavy as people think it. Yeah. I would say about 80% of the MCAT is going to sound crazy, but is more strategy-based than mm-hmm. content-based. Like I don't, even though I scored the 98th percentile, my content isn't that incredibly amazing. There's a lot of stuff I don't know, but I do know how to use good POE, process of elimination. I do know how to to have good reading strategies. I think like learning how to, to interpret data. And rec- okay, here you go. Recognizing high yield is huge because there's so much minutia. Oh my goodness. If you're going to get caught up like in all the steps of beta oxidation. Well, that's kind of crazy. I have no idea. But that's okay. I still do. Okay, I still score over over 90% on bio-bio count. I have no idea though about a lot of those individual steps. But I just, I know the general idea. I'm like, okay, beta oxidation. Is when you're breaking down fatty acids. is where oh in the mitochondria I mean you don't need to know everything and that's very encouraging you just need to identify what's high yield and put your best energy there and also with strategy
0: yeah I love that you said that because like you said like you can improve strategy whereas like people non-traditional students who might be starting and they don't feel like they have that content background 80% like you said and we believe this too maybe 80% maybe higher maybe low, something like that a large portion of the MCAT is strategy so So like you can improve that and you don't need that, you know, intensive of content background to start off with. So that's definitely encouraging to hear. So moving on to your actual score on the MCAT. So your high score was a 132 in PsychSoch, which is awesome. So how did you study for that section specifically?
1: So that section, what I did was I just used the AMC material and for any concept on any of the questions from the section bank or the tests, I would look at all the answer choices and make sure I understood perfectly all the terms. I think psych is easiest score to raise your score significantly, and probably the easiest to have a score one thirty two on, which is a perfect score because what you can do is look, um, is read journal articles, like, okay, so for a concept, I would find a real life example for PsychSoci That that would come up with to make it stick. And also, I'd read like very well psychology, I think is one of the sources I, I looked at. And there's a number of really good sources. So I would read articles, again, really good articles on the concept. So rather than go to the textbook, I would use the internet to find like a primary source or something like that. And I'm trying to think what else. So that's mainly all you really need to do. It's not bad at all. Just make sure that you're looking at all the concepts and can explain, put them in your own terms, think of examples, and it doesn't hurt. If you can find someone like a significant other, because Psych social is pretty interesting and kind of teach that person the concepts, that's probably the best way to learn as well. Like I did have someone who I was able to kind of run some of the ideas off and give examples, you know, and teach, I guess.
0: Yeah, like you said, teaching is such a powerful way for you to learn something because you have to understand it to like explain it. But yeah, I love that you also brought up the journal articles for this section as well, too, because we do hear a lot that PsychSoci can be a very like term heavy section, but I haven't heard the journal article thing a lot, so I think that's an awesome strategy a newer strategy or a different one that people could utilize for this section. So, moving on to CARS, which was your second highest section where you got a 130. A lot of students actually struggle with this section. We get a lot of students signing up for tutoring for this section, things like that. So, how did you study for this section, and what advice would you have for struggling students?
1: Yeah, so I think the that- the biggest thing here is to use the MCAT mastery tips. The MCAT Mastery tips on cars are world-class. They're amazing. So when I would go to my inbox and get the MCAT Mastery emails, I would absorb those the emails on cars just like my life depended on. I thought they were incredible. Yeah. So beyond the the plug for MCAT Mastery, I would say the, the section bank and the AMC section bank for cars is dynamite. Like there's a couple hundred questions you can use. But I think that the biggest thing with cars for me was understanding the main idea. So I would would read the passage, then I'd close my eyes for about three seconds and think about what the main idea was. And I would write, I would then write it down. And then having the main idea was like a true north for cars, which would allow me to answer all the questions just going back to the main idea. Because in cars, you can have you know, true statements, but miss the main idea. Also, I would look for the tone, the author's tone as I was reading. And before, without even looking at the questions, I would ask myself, okay, what's the main idea? What's the tone? And finally, I would say, well, are there any arguments that the author's making? And then if so, what are maybe the arguments for or against?
0: Yeah, because those questions pop up a lot where they're asking like, what is the author thinking and stuff? So understanding the tone definitely is great advice.
1: And something else I would do is read at the bottom of the, the article, like who wrote it and what the title is. Cause that would somewhat give me a hint as to like, oh, what audience are they writing to? And then what is the author's perspective?
0: Yeah, that takes like one second to do. So it's not a huge commitment either. So that's great. So moving on finally to the hard sciences, you got a one twenty nine in both chem phys and bio biochem, which is amazing. So starting with chem phys, how did you study for that section?
1: Chem phys the biggest thing there was my good friend UWorld content i didn't know anything like physics i took physics back in like 20 years ago which i'm like a dinosaur so i didn't know anything about physics so i would just do problems though because those kind of things like chemistry and physics lend themselves very well to just doing problems and the information will probably sell into your mind pretty well now with BioBio, bio, with BB, I focused on the AK lectures to get the concepts down. So that was the key there. It wasn't like I was doing as many problems with BB, but I was focusing more on content.
0: Yeah. And for these sections, did you also like read some journal articles as well and find those helpful, maybe for BioBioCamera?
1: Well, not as much. I mean, a little bit but Mm -hmm. not as much. Like my main technique here was to master the section bank. And so the section bank was like, my main thrust. Even though there were only 100 problems, I absolutely, any answer, any concept, any word Um, Anything in there (laughs) in that section bank for BB? I literally just owned.
0: Yeah, you knew it all. Um, so does that mean that you took the section bank multiple times or just the one time?
1: Well, I took it one time, but then my review was extensive. Like my review, like I would, yeah, I took it one time, but then I went and I looked up every concept, every idea, everything, and I came up with mnemonics for things. Like yeah, just in lots of mnemonics like max the electric cat, you know, V max is equal to, you know, E times K cat, E is the enzyme concentration times K cat, you know, so I just made that out of my mind. I'm like, you know,
0: I like that one. It has a nice ring to it. And that helped you remember it. So that's what's important. Yeah. So those were the sections. Thanks for expanding on like, specifically those sections so students can hopefully, you know, learn what they need to do or what people have done to increase their So talking about your actual MCAT test day now, going into the exam, how did you feel?
1: I felt terrible. The night, the day before I was riding my bike, I had a car, I mean, a bike accident. I ran, I was going down the hill and somehow I lost control and I ran into a tree.
0: The night before your MCAT?
1: Yes. And so I had like a concussion. And then when I woke up in the morning, I didn't get any sleep. I was so stressed that I only got like two hours of sleep. And so it felt like, like a nightmare. I mean, I could hardly concentrate. And so, yeah, I did not have a good feeling at all. I felt like I failed it. Yeah,
0: Yeah. so you walked out of it kind of still having that negative feeling too.
1: Well, yeah, it was kind of mixed, right? So one second, I think I was bipolar, because one second I felt like, yeah, I think I did okay. And then a few minutes later, I was convinced that I got like a, a 495.
0: So how did you like cope with all of that as you were waiting for your score to come back?
1: It was really hard. I think those are the hardest couple weeks of my life, and I was thankful because I like gratification. So I was thankful that I only had to wait two weeks versus the regular cycle when people have to wait a month. So I tried to like do stuff with family and friends and I have a pretty busy schedule. So I just tried to distract myself.
0: Yeah, sometimes that's all all you can do while you're waiting. So when you got your actual score back, how did that feel?
1: Oh my goodness. It was like one of the best feelings of my entire life. I felt I was ecstatic. I was in shock. I think I was like fanning myself. Yeah.
0: But all the hard work had paid off and you were finally done. So that's awesome. Going forward from here, like, are you planning to apply to medical school soon? Or what's your plan? Yeah,
1: Yeah, so I interview. I have an interview in January right.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Yep. With at my dream medical school. So,
0: wow, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so like, what a quick turnaround. That's amazing. Well, I think that's about all the questions I have for you about the MCAT. But before we finish, I guess, do you have any like final thoughts to leave our listeners with if maybe they're listening to this and are feeling, you know, intimidated or frustrated with the MCAT?
1: Yeah. So I think my final thought would just be to believe in yourself and, and recognize that the skills that you're going to use to master the MCAT. will translate into becoming a better doctor and doing well in medical school because in medical school, you'll also be absorbing lots of material. So try to view it as, view it as something that can actually be fun and enjoyable. Cause actually now that I'm done with the MCAT, I miss it a little bit to be honest.
0: I love that. I've never like heard anybody say that. So that means you really did enjoy something about it, which is awesome and probably helped you a lot.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So it definitely helped with the positive mental attitude. And finally make sure you balance your life. Like I think that was a key to my success because as well, because I was, I was running, I was staying physically active. I was trying to get sleep and I still did things with my family and friends and I took two days
0: Yeah, you can find balance. And yeah, that is definitely so important. So glad that you brought that up and are saying that. Well, thanks so much, Kent, for sitting down with me and like talking to all of our listeners and giving us some advice about the MCAT and everything.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me on and best of luck, everyone. I know you're going to do great. And as MCAT Mastery says, you've got this.
0: Couldn't have said it better myself. Good luck, everybody. This is monica again and before you go i just want to remind you that if you're not receiving our daily free mcat strategy and success story emails yet definitely be sure to sign up for those at mcatmastery.net free course in addition to that if you feel like you might need personalized help with the exam and would like to have an mcat mentor kind of look at your situation and help you identify exactly what's holding your score back, you can look into that too at mcatmastery.net slash mcatmentors. And lastly, and most importantly, we just want you guys to know that you have what it takes to succeed on this exam. We know the MCAT is intimidating, and when you get a score that's lower than you expected on a practice or on the real thing, it's so easy to feel discouraged or frustrated or even hopeless about the exam. We get it, a lot of us have been there, So we wanna give you the guidance that we wish we'd had when we were in your shoes. And that's what these interviews are for. That's what our emails are for. We want you guys to be able to feel confident again. And most importantly, be able to see that med school admission is possible and it's not out of your reach at all. So thanks again for listening. And remember that every top scorer, every med student and every doctor made it through this journey. So you can do it too. You guys got this.